I think underlying this whole business, there's a confusion of thought that it's either design or science. It's either God or science. I don't share that view at all because that's to confuse categories. God is, I believe, a personal creator. That is, he's an agent who causes the universe to exist. But science explains mechanisms. And the existence of mechanisms certainly doesn't uh, provide an argument, uh, to my mind, for the absence of an agent who designed the mechanisms. So the more science goes on, far from dispelling an illusion of design, it seems to me it increases the evidence for design rather than diminishes it. So it seems to me that the false alternatives that, that lie behind some thinking here uh, need to be teased out. It's God and science, not God or science. Wow, that comes through really clear. I feel like you have castanets or something. Come on, Flipper, join us. <laughs> what, boy? <laughs> what? They're in trouble, huh? Timmy? Timmy's in trouble. That Timmy's got to be the stupidest. He's kid really on the in trouble because he's in the wrong television series. Right. Timmy was in Lassie, not Flipper. <laughs> Did you ever, oh. Same diff. Did you ever see Lassie try to save somebody from a water trap? Yeah, it didn't end well. Are they going to make Lassie versus Flipper? <laughs> you ever seen Lassie try to hit a shark in the belly? No, doesn't yeah, work too well. That's right. <laughs> he's out there dog paddling. He's no match. <laughs> okay. Oh yeah. You know, hey. Lassie was a girl, by the way. Well, because at the time you couldn't show, but it was a boy, the, a boy dog, but it was a female dog that played the part. Because oh, right. Well, you know, women like in Hollywood. Indecency. You know, yeah. Wow. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. I did not know that. Mm -hmm. All right. So let's move on to more substantive matters. Yeah, that was like the longest, most irrelevant intro. Thank you. That's the voice of Ted uplifting me. Okay. Now then, let's go back. Go back in time, ready? That's the sound you make That's when you're going back in time. Right, back right. in time we go. To the previous episode when we were doing um, our best work, and I'm not going to say it was we were super good at this, but we, we did our utmost to pretend as though we were the atheists. We did as good as any atheist a specific does. case where, well, <laughs> man, Ted's jumping on. <laughs> Golly, man, just... Easy, big fella. Like, in truth, we probably did a better job than most atheists Put your weapon do down. Because... You know, we're really trying to think about uh, the consequences of what I can already tell this there. is going to get ugly fast. But what we're doing now is we're going back and saying, all right, we we uh, set forth the kind of case that a person might make, the kind of person who's an atheist, and the kind of person who is an atheist who would say uh, that primarily my beliefs are rooted in science. I don't believe in God because... I'm scientific. Mm -hmm. I'm scientific-minded. I got mm -hmm. a scientific worldview. Science is what it's all about. You explained uh, very well last time that the main points of this are uh, science is the main conveyor of truth. That's how we know about the world. Science has solved most of our problems, told us the way things are, made our lives better. Religion, by contrast, hasn't done jack squat for us, except uh, you'll make us all scared and you know bullied us with fear and made people fight each other. Uh, furthermore... Uh, Science can prove things, but God can't be proven. I mean, show me the formula, show me the proof, show me the uh, empirical data. And that's why science is what it's all about, and there ain't no God in science. Um, I think I left one out, which Ted had brought up last time, which is the Occam's razor idea, which was, I don't even, God is just sort of beside the point. 
I can explain everything that needs it's explaining. It's an un- unnecessary component. Without having to make recourse to God, he's just, uh, he's an right. extra. It's like finding a baby on your front porch. Probably somebody left them there, but maybe it was aliens. <laughs> it's like we don't pose the aliens because it's extremely... It's it's mm-hmm. unneeded. It's it's completely outside. Although of our you experience. seem to bring aliens into every <coughs> podcast for Ted, whatever is there reason. Something that you're that we don't know about you. Yeah. Yeah. This affinity for aliens. Mm. You've got an affinity. And <laughs> I don't mean undocumented <laughs> workers. I mean. <laughs> yeah, that's that's not politically correct. No. No, they're these not called were, aliens anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe extraterrestrials. They're undocumented the, the freedom seekers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, I like. That. I just. Made that one up. One man's freedom fighter. That's right. Well, I mean, uh, the day could come when we will find ourselves referring to extraterrestrials as undocumented terrestrials. <laughs> right? Huh. Because they're going to have rights, too. All right. So. I'm just opening this. You go ahead. talking. You go ahead. Read your mail. This just in. What was the name of that? the mailman on Mr. Rogers? Speedy Delivery. Oh, right. Yeah, what was his name? Let's circle right. the wagons uh, back. What back were you saying? So we're let me, let me get this back on here. <clears throat> and at this point, we're 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 I'm going to go ahead and release the hounds. Mm-hmm. Okay, open the floodgates mm-hmm. and allow us to say, in all bluntness and candor, why are you not convinced? I mean, surely we're all we're all fans of science and technology. Mm-hmm. We believe in science. We use science. We're pro science as far as that goes. Mm-hmm. And yet here we sit. Uh, not agreeing with that, the argument I just presented, mm-hmm. we don't seem to think that science it's in any valid. way, shape, or form makes a case that should persuade you to be an atheist. Why not? Well, just to be clear, mm-hmm. when we talk about science, are we talking about the scientific method? Are we talking about a body of knowledge? Or are we talking about a philosophical stance of materialism? Which is known as? Methodological naturalism, aka scientism. Scientism. As many have sorry, called it. sorry. No, oh, it is that. It's scientism, or empir- strict empiricism. All these just uh, plethora of names that really. So rather than talking about science subtle. per se, that is the uh, the practice of it, the doing of it. We're talking about a philosophical orientation, commitments that you have already, that you bring to your enterprise if you're a scientist. Frankly, most people who talk about this stuff aren't even scientists themselves. Mm-hmm. But if you are, and you think that that gives you a cloak of majesty and authority, well, what we are discussing here is, even though many many of people who say that kind of stuff, they, they don't like philosophy, they claim they're not into that, but they are into that more than they think they are, because they have a philosophy, and they are... Everybody does. They're carrying it with them, and what we're calling that is scientism. Mm-hmm. And so, if we were to just put a pretty good definition on that what then what you, you think? then you oh you're asking yeah, for ahead. him to qualify it i was just going to say the argument then would be well we'll define what scientism is first i guess that's what mm-hmm. you're asking um because i was going to say that the argument then becomes not it, science has disproven god but scientism has disproven god which would say well yeah i mean in that sense that it hasn't disproven anything it's, but yeah it didn't disprove it it began it began by presuming presuming that atheism. that was the case so yeah. anyway but do you want to de- define it ted do you want to define scientism? scientism yeah no okay <laughs> to be blunt about I think, it i think we've already it, we've covered it i think we've covered we've it we've kind of said what it is okay. but yeah it's a philosophical interpretation <clears throat> that just presumes 
that the empirical observation of the world is the only conveyor of truth, right, but it and trades, that there's no God, and that there's nothing metaphysical. But it trades on the cachet, as we've noticed in some of the arguments, by saying science, meaning the scientific method, has produced things like vaccines and computers and cars and airplanes. And so it's trips a consequentialist the argument, that, or and, been, you know, and pragmatic. takes the uh, uh, positive value assignment that we give to those accomplishments and appropriates them to scientism, mm -hmm. which is the philosophical uh, it, crazy uncle. Exactly. And then also the problem on this, uh, like another problem with that is that um, they are trying to pull from, you know, whatever, um, you know, whatever ever advancements that have been achieved throughout through science and throughout history w within science. And they are pulling that out and then assuming that scientism and science are the same thing. But secondly, they're also failing to address the horrors that have come from, um, you know, advancements in technology and science. They are uh, forgetting that it was science that gave us a rapid fire machine gun as opposed to a, a musket. They're forgetting science gave us, um, you know, uh, nuclear capabilities to drop bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima or Hiroshima, however you want to say it, they're forgetting that science, while putting people on the moon and religion flying planes into the building, science gave us the technology for those planes. So they are not honest in that. They're yeah. not science is a, is a gun for <coughs> hire. I mean, it's a tool in the hands of whoever uses Which it. Which speaks to the presuppositions ends. that people are holding to in respect to science and, and how you want to use technology and, and that it can be used for good or for bad. And that is ultimately, that's just one aspect of it that's going to come into where your well, <laughs> philosophy so this, is going to play in, as this, is religion. This sort of brings us back around to where we ended when we, were, we did the episode on the Kim Davis situation. We ended that episode with having arrived at the realization that this is a competition between competing worldviews, right? Mm -hmm. And so now I think we're at that point again. Mm -hmm. And the the difficulty between these two worldviews or in assessing these two worldviews is that uh, it, it, it does very little good. It doesn't really accomplish anything for us to sort of sit back and uh, poke fun at the weaknesses that we see in science or for those who hold a materialistic, um, you know, only materialistic view of the universe to poke fun at Christianity because then what we're doing is we're each sitting in our respective castles taking pot shots at the guys across the, the plane there. And, uh, but we're not really, we're not really affected. We're, it, so if we, if we assume the, the, Christian worldview and attack the non-Christian worldview, right? Well, we're already assuming the non-Christian worldview is false because we're attacking it from the Christian worldview. We're doing an external critique mm -hmm. of that worldview. And it doesn't really touch the other worldview because the other worldview can invoke the post-dated check fallacies. Mm -hmm. And in the same way that Christians will the do God the same thing. The the same the thing science of the gaps. And the when sense. somebody says, well, you believe that a donkey talked Come on! You believe that like a guy lived in the belly of a whale for three? You you or a fish? Sorry, large fish. Mm -hmm. uh, you believe that you know a, a man rose from the dead? I mean, come! We know these things don't happen, mm -hmm. and we and we say rightly because it's consistent with our worldview that well, yeah, of course I believe that it's in the Bible, and that's my ultimate ultimate authority, mm -hmm. right? 
And so they'll do the same thing, and we'll present arguments for the resurrection and why they should believe that it's true and it's historical and all that, and they'll say, well, look, okay, I admit that all the evidence seems to point to the fact that Jesus rose from the dead, right? But uh, we know that dead men don't rise from the dead. That's uh, part of my worldview. So I may not have an explanation for you now, but I will later on. Mm -hmm. And so what you have to do is you have to... This is like those crime shows where they're like, to catch the serial killer, you have to get inside their mind and think like the serial killer. Criminal mind. That's, that's right. Uh, you, have to, you have to go inside that worldview and do an internal critique, which I'm guessing is where most of the critiques that we're going to give are going to come from, is we're going to get inside the, the materialistic, the philosophical materialistic worldview and do an internal critique and show how it's not, it's not even consistent with itself. You can't consistently even live out a materialistic view of the world. Um, that's my guess. Well, another way of saying what you're saying, that is the inconsistency with its own definitions, is the, is the idea that's been pointed out by a lot of people, which is that scientism itself flunks its test because, it, and, and, and by the way, for those who know what I'm talking about here, logical positivism, for those who remember it, it, it had the same problem. And, it, and its downfall was this basic logical problem, which is, and I, I'll, I'll leave that to side just apply it to scientism, because it's basically the same thing. If scientism says the only truth that is yielded to us, the only thing you can really know, is that which the scientific method reveals, that is, you know, testing the empirical world and, you know, hypothesizing and then doing that, well then, you can't even does scientism as a doctrine... Is that how it well, was it yielded from? Can that? you even know that very statement? Exactly, it flunks its test. Okay, for, yeah, so, so, so now, so now, here's the pushback that you're going to get, if if you get pushback on that. Some people, oh, you will. some people won't. But here's the pushback you'll get. They'll say, okay, Professor Roberts, you have correctly identified my arbitrary commitment to the scientific method, but so what? Because you have an arbitrary commitment to Christianity. So you have, you're arbitrary in your way, I'm arbitrary in mine, and uh, I guess we're just going to both have to live out our lives and, and never, the, never the twain show. This is the, you know, science over here, religion over here. We have these distinct, what do they call them, magisteriums? Yeah. Uh, these these non-overlapping non magisteria. That's the Stephen Jay Gould, right? Yeah, I think so. Term. Yeah, that's that sounds yeah. right. Uh, so you're gonna, I'm gonna do my science thing. You're gonna do your religion sure. thing. Hey, we're both admittedly going to be arbitrary because we can't can't ultimately prove either one of our positions is correct and the other one is false. So there you go. We're at an impasse now. Yeah, but the thing is, now if if what you were talking about there is basically just you have some presuppositions and so do I, I would agree. Yeah, okay. But I wasn't just saying you just have a presupposition. I was actually saying that scientism it's has a logical is logically incoherent. That is false. It's self-referentially uh, absurd. And so I'm guilty false. of that only if I say this. Only if I say the only truth is what God has directly revealed. And scientism ain't right and all this other stuff. And then if the guy said, Well, did did God reveal directly that the only truth is that that which God only reveals? You see what I mean? Did he reveal that? Well then I may be in a similar situation, but of course I've never said that. Well, no, I think what they'll say is, is they'll say, as a Christian, your your ultimate authority, the authority beyond which you can't appeal to anything else, is, and it, different Christians will answer this differently, but in 
for Protestants anyway, it, it's going to go back to, well, Scripture. Why? The Bible says or, so. Or God himself. Sure. Right. So the Bible tells me so. Right. And and it's circular uh, you, reasoning. So so yeah. you may there may be a bunch of steps. There may be twenty steps mm-hmm. after you say, well, the Bible says such and such, and then you go twenty steps, and then but it, it it inevitably circles back around to well, why? Because the Bible, right? And so for the unbeliever, they may go through twenty steps, right? But in the end, it it ends up going back to, well, because science, right? And so now we have again this this conflict of worldviews and, and presuppositions, science versus the Bible. At least that's the way people mm-hmm. want to frame but it. But there is one difference between those two kinds of authority. Well, look, we believe a lot of what the empirical world yields to us. I mean, sure. there is an authority there to what's obviously. I mean, but, like, but one is right? limited; the other is not. It, yeah, it, and it, they don't speak to the same things, and that's part of the issue. Is at least when you're looking at revealed truth as we see it in the Bible, you have. You have actual statements saying, this is like this. This is how this is. Whereas science can't tell you that. And this is one of my quotes I wanted to bring to you or here. Or this is how things ought to be, um, by the way. Science yeah, because, can't tell well, you that. moral teachings are definitely one of those areas. So the late and great Dallas Willard. Mm-hmm. You, you an, like him. An yeah. eminent philosopher. He said at one point, looking at this, he said he he believed that a lot of this kind of scientism was a was a, a rationalization by which he meant you you want this to be true and science is your is your like uh, your tool your fallback. Here's his quote. He says rationalization, as he's defining it, is the use of reasoning to make sure that one comes out at the right place. You already have your commitment in place. He says the character of rationalization is hidden beneath the cloak of benign authority. In our case today, the, the authority is science. Science, we are told, says this and says that, and we had better believe it. Unfortunately, science says nothing. It is not the kind of thing that can say anything. Only scientists say things, and scientists can be remarkably unscientific and are often remarkably wrong. In addition, many who speak for science are not scientists and have no qualifications in the areas of their claims. But if they can assume an aura of, quote, scientific, they will be able to rationalize at will and gain a hearing for it. The point is, here's a guy comes along, he believes a lot of things. There's no God, you know, if we're coming from the atheist point of view, and and a lot of things that uh, flow from that basic fundamental starting point. He believes those things. He happens to be a scientist, or maybe he's just really scientifically read. But let's just say he is a scientist practicing in some field. Well, the thing, what, what Willard is saying is, that man will be preaching his philosophical views. He'll talk about moral, he'll have a lot of things to say in the areas of politics, morality, spiritual. I mean, he, he will have a view on a lot of subjects. Goodness. And those, what is good? Yeah, and, and he'll, those views will not have come from scientific work he did. But the fact that he's a scientist will be like a robe he's wearing that he feels like gives him authority to say what he wants about those subjects. Is this like most scientists agree that... And then well, sure. Then appeal to yeah, if, if, it's like the it's like the conversation the stopper. argument ad populum even. In yeah, that yeah. Sense. But um, you know, I think of like like we've made reference now to the Richard Dawkins quote, but I don't think we've said that's a Richard Dawkins. He's the one who just said so assuredly. 
science puts men on the moon, religion flies people into buildings. While in saying that, he's assuming that one is better than the other. Well, right there, uh, there's a scientist, and he is th- talking about things that at the end of the day that about he's speaking to, to the nature of science. Yet he's making philosophical claims, it's and he's well. It's such a stupid statement because it's again. Oh, it's, it's a silly statement. To Willard's clearly. point, no, no. It's kind of like guns don't kill people. People kill. Yeah. Look, people, right? Yeah. Fly us to the moon. Yes. Using certain uh, mm-hmm. things, but and and it's people who flew those planes and into building. the buildings. But the thing is, look, I could do the same thing the other way if I want to be selective. What what would prevent me from saying religion builds hospitals? Science builds, builds gas chambers. Oh, nice. <laughs> That's a bumper sticker. Yeah. Why don't I use that? Well, that would be that'd be unfair and silly. Which which kind of things don't seem to stop? Yeah. Our so man, this tricky goes, Dick Dawkins doesn't seem to care about that. That 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 goes to the um, what in his in his debate with Stein, Bonson starts out saying, "Hey, look, we could both pick out cherry pick from Christianity, the history of Christianity, the history of unbelief." certain actors who did really, really horrible things. But even though we could both do that, in in neither case does it actually speak to the objective truth value, um, or maybe that's a redundant. It doesn't speak to the truth value of either one of our worldviews. So we've got to sort of dispense with that as a distraction to the actual question of what's true, what is real, what is you know good and evil, uh, and and try to get more to the central questions of these things, not whether or not there have either been nasty Christians or nasty atheists, both of which are obviously true. Mm-hmm. There have been some noted scientists who have admitted these kinds of things, which I appreciate. One of them is a famous passage, and I don't. I wonder if you've heard it, but I'll read some of it to you, which comes from a uh, in the '90s a book review. What actually he was reviewing one of Carl Sagan's last books. And the quote is from a guy named Richard Lewontin, who is a geneticist at Harvard. Now, Ted is shaking his head, so he's heard this. Uh, it's become somewhat famous because it's such, it's such a blatant admission, and people picked up on it because it was such an honest thing. But I'll read some of what he says here. So he says, uh, we, we take the side of science in spite of the patent absurdity of some of its constructs, in spite of the failure to fulfill many of its promises, of health and life, in spite of the tolerance of the scientific community for unsubstantiated, just-so stories, there's a reason why we tolerate such things, and it is because we have a prior commitment to materialism. It's not that the methods and conclusions of science compel us to accept a materialistic view of all phenomena, but it is rather an a priori adherence to material causes to create an apparatus of investigation that produce material explanations. We develop science purposefully to produce these kinds of answers. We do it no matter how counterintuitive or how mystifying to the uninitiated. Moreover, that materialism is absolute because we cannot allow a divine foot in the door. Now that's our man right there, a geneticist who's basically just showing his cards. And it reminds me of, of I remember another uh, quote once upon a time um, in, a, in, in a journal, a scientific journal, a guy said, science is basically a game. It is a game with one overriding rule, and he called it rule number one. And that is, do everything you can to explain everything 
without any recourse to anything metaphysical or transcendent or supernatural. And that, that's the irony that, that that's limited. I'd mentioned that earlier that... That's reductivist, it's right? Reductive. It's reductivist, well, and it's limited. You are limiting your options, which is actually counterintuitive to the actual You're process narrowing of narrowing the field of possible <laughs> answers. Yeah, and before you even, before, right off the bat, before you even begin, you're, you're automatically excluding one potential answer. Uh, that being one a, potential, one not just one, but a large category or, of possible yeah, po- lo- answers. Yeah, yeah, but I'm, what I'm ultimately like to, to be just sort of like your two primary options, though, is a natural or supernatural explanation. Which I think so if you admit it would be okay, right? Like, and I'm sorry, I'm just thinking <laughs> along your line here. What if, would you be okay with, I'll say up front, I would if, if you were on, if you were this honest, you were to say, look, I am currently thinking about this phenomenon in the universe mm-hmm. and, and, uh, or even something like, why are we people moral? Why are people <laughs> religious? Why right. this? Why that? If I were to say, now, I am going to right now. I'm in in thinking about this. I'm going to uh, apply methodological naturalism at this time, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be looking at possible answers that are purely materialistic. But I'm admitting that that's what I'm doing. Right. Well, that's okay. The problem we have, isn't it, when when they say what when they're doing that, basically, but not saying like that that's they're our doing. Own, but and the problem that we have too is, well, I would say. Even that that's the only thing. And that's that's what I'm saying is ultimately counterintuitive to science because it's, you know, um, the knowledge, right? Ultimately, that's what you're seeking is knowledge. You care about what's true, and not what's just true, what fits that not, And not just what, right, uh, and not what fits your preconceived notions. And so I think when you automatically exclude one option, one of two options for potential causes, um, and that kind of goes back to their, well, that primitive notion that God's like holding the moon up in his hand or something, you know? And that's, no, and I don't really think, I mean, maybe. That's a silly somebody, literalistic so, thing. Yeah, it's like the cosmonaut like, saying, I went to space and he wasn't there. Right. Well, what kind of a well, childish you, reading of, right. uh, you know. And like I was talking to him earlier before we even started recording today, I'm like, well, you don't have to go out to space to do that. You can walk out your back door in nature yeah. and say, well, I walked out my back door and God's not there, so he doesn't exist. I mean, what's the difference? Not much, but yeah. a few thousand miles and a couple of layers of I looked atmosphere. in my basement, he wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we keep narrowing <laughs> yeah. this down. Yeah, I looked in the bathroom in the bathroom <laughs> medicine chest god wasn't there i mean it's just silly so anywho so are we saying that lewontonism is scientism uh quoting yeah, yeah, uh, after yeah. the man i just quoted yeah i well, think so material. I, I think I mean, so he's admitted materialist and that is it's yeah. it, it, no, it's isn't refreshing it? that he's at least his candor isn't it about isn't it. it funny that and this goes back to more of the early 2000s and the the Internet atheist rational response squad sort of a movement. Uh, you hear about free thinkers. You hear about uh, they came up with the term brights. Yeah, they're brights. <laughs> We're bright. Uh, <laughs> they should have just called themselves the super geniuses or something <laughs> modest like that. The brights. I, I'm super sorry. Genius, I shouldn't laugh awesome at Awesome squad them. of all things. You cool. should feel bad. The for ultra them because they, they the genuinely brilliant think people. Right. right. Well, I, they're you know, to I used to think. I think that has a certain appeal to people. I mean, who wants to say, no, I'm not bright. Well, of course, you know. Or no, I'm I'm not a free thinker. I'm a prisoner thinker. You know? Right. I'm downright but splendid. What are you talking about? Close-minded. At the same that's right. <laughs> At the same time, uh, well, the, well, the close-minded those would be 
fundamentalists, right? Mm -hmm. uh, but anyway. Narrow-mindeds. Yeah. Gene Cook. Um, the free thinkers or the brights, I think, tend to view themselves as being like they, they talk in this in this autobiographical way about how they used to believe in religion. They were raised in religion. Sure. But now they're free of that, those mental sort of Change. shackles. Mm -hmm. um, but I tend to look, as we've been talking about philosophical materialism and how it limits your, your options, right, uh, of explanation, uh, uh, a priori, mm -hmm. um, as though the... There, there's, there's, let's say, Christians, maybe, on the one side, or Christianity on the one side. There's the free thinker on the other side, and in between, there's this set of bars. And the free thinker says, ha, 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 I've gotten out of the prison cell. You guys are still in there. But he doesn't realize that he's actually the one who has voluntarily put himself in the cell of philosophical materialism, right? He thinks he's gotten out of the superstitious thinking cell, and now he's out in the wide, wide world where the wide world of sports, where any option now, that's why he's a free thinker, right? Any option is available. He could do anything. You guys are stuck believe, having to believe what the Bible tells you. I can think whatever I want. And, I'm a free thinker. And, and see, the thing about that is I think in those cases oftentimes, because it's, you know, in terms of thought and thinking, um, what we find is that they haven't changed how they think about things. They've just changed what it is that they think about. So they're still fundamentalists? Is that what you're saying? Yes. It's like that whole pattern of thought is but identical. They... And we've talked about this many times in the past. It's like the patterns of thought between, let's say, Richard Dawkins, because he is a fundamentalist. The guy is a fundy because of how he speaks, because of you know the dogmatism of which he makes his assertions, because of um, how he is unwilling to even – engage in the it, what seems like in, he's unwilling to engage in any self-reflection, any self-thought, any or criticism of his own thought, and he's just right. And the people that listen to him, he's right. That's what he says. And it's not that different from the fundamentalist who stands there with their fingers in their ears stomping, mm -hmm. saying, you know, no, nope, well, this is what my preacher said. The, and that's the what the brights, Bible says. And, the, the brights put the mentalist in fundamentalist. And the yep. Christians put the duh in fun duh mentalist. Nice. That's good. <laughs> at least that's the way that they would look at it. But here's the reality, and this goes to something Clint was saying about being a, a methodological naturalist, I think is what the term you used. Mm -hmm. um, this goes back to something we were saying in the Kim Davis episode again, and you guys may disagree with me. Um, we don't live in a the, – the universe that we live in is not a materialistic, naturalistic universe. We live mm -hmm. in a Christian universe. Mm -hmm. So even if you're going to say, well, I'm okay with somebody taking a, a philosophic, a methodologically materialistic or naturalistic um, thinking cap when they're doing science, I'm okay with that as mm -hmm. long as they're, they're upfront about it. And they're like, well, yeah, of course, that's what I'm doing. I'm not saying that these other things don't exist, but it's just when I do science, I have to do it this way. The reality is, is if you trade, and this is what I think great Christian thinkers and scientists of the past thought this was their motivation to do science was you can understand the mind of god by investigating science yes. well that's not that's not methodological naturalism mm -hmm. is it and so i know i don't think he was advocating for no no i don't i, I don't think, think he's that just he was saying either. that at least they're admitting it and so i would appreciate a person who's practicing it to tell to go ahead and admit that he's practicing right, it. right. not that not so much saying that that's the way it should be done right yeah right. no I, okay yeah I'm, I'm on board with that gotcha sorry mm -hmm. all right so keep going no no i just i think that 
even if a even if we want to, because I think Christians will often will often do this. We this is this this goes more to the psychology when you're in a discussion with an unbeliever. You know, you want to appear reasonable. You don't want to appear like you're going to fight them on every single point. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, it's good to be reasonable. Christians, in fact, are only are the only ones with a worldview that allows for reasonability. That warrants it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and we also have the ethical uh, imperative to be, to do that, be to kind, be thoughtful, right? and be yeah, but also and, to and point kind, out sure. mistakes and errors, uh, so that I- even in a Christian worldview where you might want to say, "Hey, Christians can do science, right?" I mean, we believe in a God who created you, all this to begin of, with. You guys yeah. were kind of poking fun of you know God holding the moon up, and I'm thinking to myself, "No, I mean the Bible says that He upholds all things by the." The word of his power, or something like that. Which I think, I think but what does that mean? But he, we, we were, we weren't making fun of that. But the literalist, and like he, like has a, some right. sort of hand, and it goes right. beyond like an, an eclipse is a big dog swallowing the moon. Yeah, or that, well, like. just silly stuff. Well, that, like the, the yeah, like the, the Michael, the bearded uh, Michelangelo, or if you prefer, um, uh, far side guy. Gary Larson. Yeah, Larson's bearded. The bearded old guy yeah. is stretching out an, an, yeah. his arm. Because it's literalistic, it, mm-hmm. I, I think. I think what you're saying is recognized by people, and I give some credit to people who see this. And I hope, and, and I think this may be actually be true. I hope that some of the extremism of this, and you called uh, our uh, Dawkins a fundy. I hope some of that element is actually fading now, because It'd be you nice. know, in the years after 9/11, when there was such a fever, like anti-religious fervor. Mm-hmm. Those books kind of hit their high water yeah. mark, and, and it was a big deal. But I think I even we are have, on the downside. I of that. think some of that's worn off because I think people have realized that they they overshot their case mm-hmm. even. And you know, I've seen people even chastise that movement sort of from within. Well, I even see like I think of Alan de Botton. Uh, are you familiar with him Mm-mm. or Alan Dubaton or whatever? Dubaton. Dubaton. He's a Swiss-born um, English philosopher, atheist, and he a couple of years back wrote a book called Religion for Atheist, and and he has TED talks and he does this school of life. I, I follow him because he's he's engaging, he's interesting. I find him very intriguing, but is at the end of the day he's an existentialist and consequentialist and that way that wears thin real fast you know Mm -hmm. but i still enjoy his little vignettes on various philosophers and thinkers and economists and all of that throughout history but but he his approach and i think this is kind of like the new the new new atheism the new atheism they were militant and you know out evangelizing like dawkins and here all these guys wanting to just abolish religion it's angry the militant and i don't think he i mean I don't. I mean, I'm sure he would tip his hat to that, maybe. But what he's trying to say is that there are things that we can re- learn from religion, which is why he wrote that book. So he's like kind of looking at all these things that religion has done for humanity, and um, even you know saying it was good. But we can do it from an atheist perspective. But the thing is, there. I think he's kind of more on the forefront now in terms of where people like is going. him probably are now. Um, maybe maybe the maybe the vast viewing of public. Looks to people like him to say, you know, this is a little more sensible, moderate voice. Yeah. And I would say that even in the uh, more highfalutin areas of the academic realm, way up in the academic, they've always contended. They've always with, understood this that Dawkins and them were. Yeah, because Dawkins was a populist. Yeah. I mean, he was he was writing to 
to uh, he he wanted to get those books moved yeah. off the shelf. Well, like Thomas Nagel and Michael Ruse and all that right. took exception. Good to examples, Dawkins, right? You know. Ruse chastised him, and yeah. these are men who are not friendly at all. New. To they're they're critics of religion. Ooh. Nagel, in fact, as kind of an agnostic and not religious at all. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote that book basically saying he thinks the the neo Darwinian uh, materialist view of things. He says he just thinks there's no way that can be true. Right. And of course he caught But a it lo- ain't God. <laughs> he caught a whole lot of flack from oh, people yeah. who thought, "Hey, I thought you were one of us." The atheists came out after him. Yeah. Another thing I I have a uh, some lines from our man Nagel from before that. He admitted once upon a time that he had that he shared with many other people what he called a fear of religion. Mm. And he admitted, he said, "Here's a quote from him. He says, "I speak from experience being strongly subject to this fear myself. I want atheism to be true." And I am made uneasy by the fact that some of the most intelligent and well-informed people I know are religious believers. Mm-hmm. It isn't just that I don't believe in God and naturally hope that I'm right in my belief. It's that I hope there is no God. I don't want there to be a God. I don't want the universe to be like that. My guess is that this cosmic authority problem is not a rare condition and that it is responsible for much of the scientism and reductionism of our time. One of the tendencies it supports is the ludicrous overuse of evolutionary biology to explain everything about life, including everything about the human mind. So I, I'm using a man then who doesn't share our beliefs at all. All right. But if I were is, an atheist, I would be furious right yeah, now. <laughs> because it's like, don't admit that stuff. Yeah. But, you know, as we say on here, you know, we're supposed to exercise these intellectual virtues be honest don't take the cheap shot i I can appreciate when a man like that is at least honest Mm -hmm. you know to say hey uh this is not so simple i remember stephen jay gould once upon a time saying look either either half my colleagues whom i respect and think are brilliant either half of them are actually total morons and buffoons or hmm maybe it's not maybe you're not a complete idiot who's checked your brain at the door just because you have religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. I mean, and so maybe a lot of what we're doing is modest in the sense that we're just saying it's not, first of all, in the most modest sense, we might just say it's not irrational and it's not, quote, unscientific to be a believer and specifically to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be unscientific to be some other things, for all I know. I mean, I'm not going to just go ahead and give a blanket endorsement to all religious uh, worldviews. It's unscientismistic. Unscientismistic. You, know? <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, I don't know a Scientologist. I'm going to leave that alone. Yeah. I don't know. I'll just speak for sensible, historic Christian belief. I think it's there's no way you cannot make the case this is irrational, this is unscientific. But, um, but then back to just our critique, we're not convinced by that argument does it have its own problems? I mean, being more political about it. I think we've pointed out there are some logical flaws to the that materialist assumption. Mm-hmm. There are some personal, psychological, emotional commitments mm-hmm. to it. You have to admit them and say, this is just my starting point. My my view didn't come from doing science. I started with it. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, mm-hmm. And even evolution, by the way, which we want to apply to everything. We want to just... Evolution of the gaps, right? Whatever I can explain. Evolution did it. It's evolution. Mm-hmm. But as Willard points out again, that everything that we, everything about the process that that evolution is uh, point to as how things come about, 
that process didn't come about through that process. It started with a bunch of ingredients already on the ground, a bunch of a bunch of uh, things that could have been otherwise. That fine tuning idea, Every, necessary conditions. All the materials were there. Everything was there for this process to even work. If that's how things have happened, and how did they come about? This is kind of the cosmological. And then idea, you ultimately right? get into well, we don't have to account for biogenesis. It's a brute fact. Yeah, it's assumed. Talk well, about and, and a science stopper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we don't true. have to account for the origins of. Yeah, I mean, the origins of origins. Didn't, who said that life may be a brute fact of the universe? Uh, I feel like I, I can't. Remember that who it was. could easily be any given atheistic scientist. It's funny because you know we're accused, we're accused of uh, taking uh, of being uh, closing our minds off and being science stoppers. That's Dawkins' brute fact. That's Dawkins. Isn't yeah, it? but isn't and isn't that isn't that sort of a stopper? Aren't you, isn't the discussion over if you just say brute fact? No need to explain it. It is unless it it is a discussion stopper to an external critique of that world. Unless view. you have a good argument that proves that it's just a brute fact. But if you so, and of course Bonson would say there's no such thing as brute facts. Uh, so. But in order to attack something like that, somebody who says, well, you have your axioms, I have mine, and I guess we'll go our separate ways, that's when you have to start doing the internal critique, which, again, I think is where most of the critiques that we've done uh, of the scientific, or scientism, rather, have been internal critiques. I don't think any of us have said, although we could, and, and it would be right, we said, well, scientism isn't true or is false or is an overcommitment to something because why well because the bible tells me so although if you could prove that from the bible then that would be valid but most of what we've done have been those internal critiques and that's the only way that you can really in a in sort of a closed off worldview system really start to touch the core of what that worldview has to say you know worldviews tend to, to insulate themselves and isolate themselves mm-hmm. from a, from external attacks sure from external Fort, build that but the point up. of a worldview, too, and to test its validity is whether or not it's internally uh, consistent. That's one of the, and that's that's one the, of the thing. tests. And yeah. that's, well, yeah, if it's internally consistent, then also if it comports with every, all these is factors it, yeah, outside. Yeah, I think, so, I think Roadhouse has six or seven worldview yeah. tests. Oh, that's true. That's true. But uh, that, I'm just thinking of internal consistency. Right. If it doesn't pass and that test, the rest don't really then matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. So if you start there, but the, the, the thing is, here's the rub. Uh, what is the only internally consistent worldview that you can think of? Biblical Christianity. It is. It's true. And we could tell you, tell you why it's true. And maybe we'll tell you why it's true in future episodes. Word. You've been listening to Apologetics Unplugged. Michael, Clint, and myself would love to hear your feedback. Email us at retort at apologeticsunplugged.com and rate us or leave a comment on iTunes. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you soon. God bless.
that that's that's idaho all the way the farmer that shot the cow right in front of the kids the school bus for mm-hmm. the kids yeah yeah good stuff huh yeah you'll all think right. you like so all right we gotta have a break here and do a clean so start. everybody <laughs> welcome to the soothing side she didn't but she did mm-hmm. she didn't but she did kind of a feel good we should do a new age for podcast. this podcast episode we are all assuming characters from the film napoleon dynamite Ted, the part of Napoleon Dynamite be, will be played by Ted Paul. Actually, I was going to do Lawanda. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Lawanda. <laughs> 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 See, that's physical too, and I still can't Could figure out if, if Lawanda is actually uh, Lawanda or uh, Lawanda. <laughs> like, I've been chatting with L-A babes on the L-E. internet all day. Is it La or Le? I don't. I don't know if you one's guys masculine, noticed. One's masculine, one's feminine. We'll never know. Do you notice how long the phone cord was that they had on the... It was like 50 feet long. Yeah. One of those coiled yeah. that would stretch uh-huh. out to like Absolutely. 150 oh, yeah. feet. I love that. Back in the day. That just reminds me of childhood. That was technology then. That was <clears> like, was man, I can stand technology. in this room and the phone's in two other rooms away. So. It was the newest thing. It was like an iPhone 5 only. It was, hey, you got one of those new phones yet with the super long cord? See, they're so primitive back then though. Oh, with those long cords. Look at where they were cordists. No wonder they were all I'm an so, awkwardist. Well, they were all so religious. That's why. And I'm an awkwardist because now... We've, You're an accordist. A, a, well, accordist, awkwardist. I'm an a, I pl- Does that mean you play an accordion? No. I was going to say, is that, no, you, that would you be don't an believe a, accordions exist? Accordionist. Which, uh, I, I don't know, does it bother anybody else? I would like to wish accordions what, didn't exist, does maybe. It, does it bother anybody else when someone says that they don't believe in something and they, they don't believe... They don't mean... That they that they think the thing doesn't exist, they mean they don't like it. They don't like it, or they don't hold to it. They're not into that. And so when somebody says, "Oh, I don't believe in tax cuts," yeah, you mean you don't believe tax cuts exist? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, you lack it's belief one in of those, them. <laughs> that's right. Oh uh, well, you shouldn't be mad. It's just to do 